If you could, let's go ahead and open to uh, Ephesians chapter 3. If you've got an iPad or an Android, uh, you can open up to that in there, which is very convenient. I like it on mine as well. But uh, let's go to Ephesians chapter 3, and let's read uh, verses 1 through 7 while we're doing that. Paul says, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you've heard of the stewardship of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I've briefly written already, by which you, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it's now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. So before we dig in, I'm, I want to ask a question, and I want you to think about this we're going to come back to this. But the question is, whose shoulders are you standing on right now? Who do you have to thank? And who do you have to be thankful for, for where you're at today and what you enjoy? Whose shoulders do you stand on? And what will we do with that privilege? Now, we'll come back to that. But... Before we dig into these verses here in Ephesians 5, 1 through, or Ephesians 3, 1 through 7, I want to look at a couple of uh, key words that we need to experience today and on an ongoing basis so that we can grasp the truth that's being given to us. So let's look at that slide. And these vital words we saw in uh, verses 4 and 5. The first word is revelation, which means to uncover or unveil. Uh, how many of you have been to car shows, new car shows? Okay, a few of you. So you know on the stage when you see the new car, it's draped over by a sheet or I was going to say pillowcase, but that wouldn't be big enough. Anyway, just something that just sits over these, these cars. And so you can't see. You know it uh, looks like a car. But then when they uncover it or unveil it, wow, you get to see this incredible designed machine. In the way here, Paul is describing that to us. It's the same experience. He has experienced a revelation. He's been given, first of all, Jesus revealed himself to Paul as the Messiah, revealed to him his calling to be an apostle to the Gentiles, and he's saying, this is the revelation that's been given to me to you. Now, for us, we need an unveiling and an uncovering going on in our lives constantly by that same spirit so that we can grasp God's truth and be impacted by that and live it out. Now, the second word that we're looking at here in Ephesians 4, uh, 3, 4, and 5 is the word mystery. And the definition of that is that which, being outside the range of na our natural comprehension, can only be known by God disclosing it to us at a certain appointed time. Simply said, 
It's a hidden spiritual reality that's been revealed. This is what we're going to be digging into this morning. But there are a lot of uh, times this word is used in the New Testament describing something that's a hidden spiritual truth. Now, for us, the word mysterious, or to the, to the Greek mind, the word mystery simply meant that there was a secret society and that only a certain few would be initiated by knowing a certain hidden truth, and then you would become part of an elite system. But for the New Testament and for us as believers, it's a something that was hidden but now revealed openly so that all can partake of this hidden spiritual reality incorporated into their lives and have an impact in us. So these, these are two key words. And that's what we're going to dig into first as we look at verses 5 and 6 again. So let's read it again if we can there in Ephesians 3. And he says about this mystery which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men that is, has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. And what that means is the fact that Gentiles, you and I, would be included into this wonderful place that the Israelites had in God in covenant relationship and in closeness to. The Jewish prophets would prophesy about, quote, the world, Gentiles coming in, but they didn't fully realize what that meant. And now it's being revealed in fullness through Paul, the other apostles, and other prophets of that time so that God's people would recognize this place of privilege. Now, in the last couple of weeks, if you've been here or you've listened to the podcast, Pastor James and Jamie Pappas have gone over some of Paul's declarations about how we as Gentiles have been brought into, first, a covenant of promise, that God gave, and that God's promises that were first to the Jews are now for us and that we can partake of. And about being sharing the wealth of being in God's family together with Jewish believers and how once we were far away. And one of the things that's hard to understand being in a very comfortable Western society and a place of knowing Christ is to first realize how far away we really were. And that's part of this revelation and part of this mystery that we're going to look at this morning. But we have now been brought near by the blood of Jesus and how that we as Gentiles and Jews were all enemies of God by nature. But that through his body, the body of Christ on the cross, that enmity with God was broken and thrown away. And now we have access to God. And then finally, in those verses that they covered, we are literally a living temple in which the Spirit of God lives. So, as I shared a few weeks ago, again, whether you want to use the word temple or the word body, as Jesus being the head, the Spirit of God, every one of you, represent as a whole the visible representation of Jesus Christ on the earth. And what a marvelous thing gift that is. What a marvelous, wonderful blessing that we share, but also the awesome responsibility that that brings. And we'll look into that a little bit. So, now the mystery that Paul references here in verse 5, 
that the Jewish prophets talked about, didn't fully understand, but are now being revealed. So, in another letter which we're going to look at, so we're going to keep our fingers here in Ephesians or if you're in your iPad, we're going to be moving to the book of Romans. So if you want to go there, we're going to be looking at uh, chapter 11 in Romans. This was another letter that Paul wrote to a Gentile church, was in Rome, and it's about 16 chapters long. But in this letter that Paul wrote to this Gentile church in Rome, he spent three chapters talking about the place of Israel, Jewish believers, Gentile believers, and God's plan for all of them. And so we're going to spend a little time looking at that letter and especially that chapter. Now, just a little background on why this is important and why this mystery is, because as I said, Jamie Pappas and Pastor James covered some of those things. We're going to look at another aspect and why that's important. But that God gave to the Israelites first the ability to be adopted into his family. And that was first given to Israel. In fact, the covenant of promise was given to Abraham. And out of Abraham, he promised all the nations of the world would be blessed, but out of a people, out of him, would be the covenant of promise. And that became the Israelites, the Jews. And so uh, even Paul mentions later on in another book called Galatians, that Abraham is a father to us in the faith. And we're going to explore that this morning and why that's important. So he gave his presence, his glory to the Israelites. They saw his glory. They saw his presence. They saw his power. And also the giving of his law, the Ten Commandments, all the commandments. The law was given to this group of people that he chose out from among all mankind and the freedom to serve him and worship him. But in the Israelites' disobedience and rebellion, God sent prophets to them. And he said, come back, come back. Brian, Pastor Brian, as he was going through the book of Hosea, talks about their unfaithfulness and their inability to be a true wife to their husband, the Lord God of Israel. And so in this process of the prophets calling back the people, these prophets also spoke about a people that he would call to himself who were not his people. And in those prophecies, it's talking about you and I, Gentiles, being able to come in to a place of faith. And so, excuse me, I'm sorry. So in this promise that the Gentiles would come to know him along with Jews who would see the mercy of God through Jesus being the new Messiah King. And because in Romans, as he describes in Romans 9, 10, and 11, he points out that Christ, this new Messiah, would be our righteousness. And that by calling on his name, salvation for the Jews and as well as the Gentiles would be experienced and given to them. Anybody that calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, is the promise that Paul talks about in there. But as Paul describes in Romans 9 and 10, he talks about their Israel's rebellion, their faithlessness and idolatry, and that in this process, most of Israel would be cast away and would be set aside so that us as Gentiles can enjoy the richness of God's faithfulness that he had first sown to the Jews. Remember, Jesus himself, in John chapter 4, in talking to a woman near a well, 
As this woman was talking about religious ideas and concepts, Jesus said this, he said, remember something, salvation is of the Jews. It comes through the Jews. It's from the Jews that salvation comes. And Jesus made that very, very clear. And even later uh, in this letter of Romans, Paul says that we are debtors to the Israelites because we partake of their spiritual blessings. So let's hone in a little bit and let's go to that slide in Romans 11. And we're going to just read it briefly and I'm going to make a few points off this. So Paul, in saying this, he says, I speak to you Gentiles, just as he spoke in the letter to Ephesians. And he says, I magnify my ministry. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy my fellow Jews and save some of them. So Paul became a lightning rod. He literally magnified his calling to go to the Gentiles to provoke an attitude of jealousy from his Jewish friends, neighbors, and family, people that he was a part of, but was now being ostracized because of bringing in the Gentiles and was being persecuted. But he would magnify what God was doing to provoke some of them so that he, they could come to their Messiah that he was proclaiming. And so he says, For if their being cast away, which I referred to, is the reconciling of the world, world of people, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? I was talking to an individual in the, in the first service who was raised Jewish, and now he's come to know Jesus as his Messiah. And it's just so exciting to see the life of God in this man and to see the joy on his face and how wonderful it is. And... Um, it was just a, a great testimony that this, the scripture is literally being filled out, a literally life from the dead. And so Paul now says this. He says, for if the first lump of dough is holy, so also is the loaf. W what does that mean? I mean, to us, that it just means nothing. But in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament sacrifices, there would be something called the first fruit offering, where you would bring... Uh, either a, an offering of a certain amount of fine flour or raw grain as a first fruit offering. And by that offering, they would grind the grain or the flour, they would make it into a, a loaf, little cake, and they would eat it as part of the sacrificial offering. That by signifying that by that offering, all the rest of their grain and produce would be consecrated by God and separated for blessing not only to the Lord, but also to the people. And so that's what Paul's referring to here. And then he says, and if the root is holy, so are the branches. What's this root that he's talking about? This is important for us. The root, you know, we might think, well, gee, that's John 15. Jesus says, I am the vine, you're the branches. Isn't that what he's talking about? No, he's not. He is speaking about the promises of God that when he chose out a certain group of people, especially Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that that was the root from which God would grow out branches which were his people. And that's really important for us because, again, 
Salvation comes from the Jews. What we know and experience has been given to us through the Israelites by God. And that's what Paul's talking about here. So he says, if the roots holy has been consecrated, just like the first fruit offering, so this offering of consecration of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, so also are the branches. And now Paul brings this up. What if, and if some of the branches were broken off, let's go to the next slide. Thank you. And you, meaning us, the wild olive tree, were grafted in among them. Um, what's, the, what's the term used for when you're doing grafting of, of different plants to each other and making trees? Is it viticulture or am I totally off base on that? When you're grafting in, you're doing grafting, you're taking another part of a tree and you're like avocados. If you want three different kinds of avocados on your tree, you graft it in. But what's the term for it? Isn't there a, isn't there a science for that? I'm totally off base. I'm talking to Cal Poly students who are in that area. I must be totally off. Anyway, how many of you ever done grafting? Okay, some of you know at least what I'm talking about. For instance, you get an avocado and you want Haas and you want different types of avocados that are more resistant to disease or frost. You take a branch off of one, you take a branch off another type of avocado tree, you put them all onto the same, you know, root of the avocado and then you've got three different kinds of avocados growing out. Wonderful. We've been doing it for a long time. It's how we get some of this hybrid fruit that we have. So this is what Paul's talking about. We were an uncultured, wild olive branch producing fruit that wasn't of any value to God. And now he's saying you, because he's broken off some of the natural branches, meaning Israelites, you now who were wild are being grafted in among them. And with them, you become partaker of the root and the richness of the olive tree. So he says, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. In our Western culture, especially as believers, it's hard to grasp this and really get the depth of this. Because we're comfortable, we're rich. But we forget on whose shoulders we really stand. And the benefits that we have have been gone through another type of people group that isn't ourselves. And that's how God's designed it. You literally partake of the richness the fatness of the olive, this, this olive tree, and that this root that you come from, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, literally God through that supplies you. Now, yes, we understand that Jesus is, you know, is the vine. So there's the, the song that guy, a guy named Keith uh, Green. Yeah, Keith Green. You remember that song? He is divine. We are the branch. That was his song, not my joke. So you can, don't blame me for that one. But that's a little different about what we're talking here. We literally have our being and have our blessings because of what God did through Israel. And we are connected. And God has a plan here. In fact, in verse 22, he says, Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God. 
of those who fell severity. Now again, for you to get the depth of this, I'd encourage you to read Romans 9, 10, and 11. But remember the history of Israel, as Pastor Brian was going through the book of Hosea, the history of Israel is idolatry, rebellion, hardness of heart, faithlessness. And that constantly they refused and refused God. And finally, God in his wisdom said, fine, I will cut you off for a while and I'll bring in a people who were far away, who hated me, who weren't even my people, and I'll make them my people. And those who were not beloved, I'm going to call them my beloved. And that is the heritage that you and I share and drink of and eat of. So it's important that we really do see whose shoulders we stand on. Now notice, he says, those who fail severity but towards you, goodness. If you continue in his goodness, otherwise you will also be cut off. Now that's a difficult passage and I don't have time to go through it, but that makes me say, I want to stay in his goodness. I don't want to be hard of heart. I don't want to be faithless. I don't want to be an idolater. I don't want to go the way of Israel. I want to stay in that sphere of his goodness and his love. And so I want to bear good fruit. We can see the attitude of pride and arrogance in the history of the so-called church because after the first century, we can see, if you look at church history, we can see that in the name of Jesus, atrocities were perpetrated upon the Jewish faith. How Jews were killed, tortured, excluded, persecuted by those who called themselves under the name of Jesus. And this is the attitude that Paul is addressing here. This prideful arrogance of boasting that caused this breaking off. And this is why um, the church is looked upon with disfavor. And why even, you know, when people say, well, let's go to church, if anybody knows anything about church history, recent or in the past, it really indicts us. But as believers, this is an aspect, a facet of this wonderful gift that we have of being Jews and Gentiles coming together in one body. We need to grasp this and hold on to this so that it's attractive to others. In fact, the richness of God's wisdom that's being poured out to us and the knowledge of him is incredible mercies that are being shown to us in this book of Romans. In a couple of verses later, Paul literally begs us as believers to present our bodies as living sacrifice to God, which is our reasonable service considering all the mercies of God that's being presented to us. I want you to repeat something after me. Humor me. It's not about me. Let's say that one more time. It's not about me. It's not about my fears. It's not about my position. It's not about my money. It's not about my anxieties, my weaknesses. It's about God. It's not about us, guys. It's about God and his purposes us in us. 
And this is what Paul is presenting to the Romans, and that's what he's presenting actually to the Ephesian believers. And let's go back to Ephesians, and let's relook at a couple of things. Because now that we are getting a grasp and understanding on whose shoulders we stand on, and this place that we were so far away, but God has brought us near, what does that drive us to? And how do we live that out? This is where we need revelation. This is where we need to understand the mystery. And what our response is will be an indication of whether we truly grasp that revelation of what is being given to us here and whether we understand the mystery. Because look, as we look at the rest of Ephesians 3 here, 1 through 7, Paul experienced this revelation. Because remember, he was a Jew who thought Gentiles were dogs and this sect of Jesus had to be stamped out because no, it had to be the law. It had to be the covenant promises of the Jewish faith. And then God hit him in a powerful way as he was going to Damascus to destroy the Christians and kill them and put them in jail that the Messiah Jesus came to him and said, no, Paul, you're persecuting me. And Paul, who was Saul, had a revelation and was impacted. And so let's look at this really quickly. If you look, he says, for this reason, this truth about the Gentiles and Jews being one body, I, Paul, am a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Now, it's interesting because he was so much about him. Remember, he was put into prison because the Jews persecuted him for this faith in this new Messiah, and the Roman government put him into prison. But that's not how he sees it. He sees himself because of this revelation, because of this mercy of God in his life. He sees himself only as a prisoner of Christ. You can do with me what you will, Jesus. You can be Lord. If it's to be free and to be out, that's great. I'm your free man. But if I'm in prison, it's because of you. Not because of what men might do or not do in my life. That's a great attitude to have. When we are so filled and see his goodness and his mercy, what men do or don't do, what people do to us or against us or not do, it really doesn't have effect because what? It's not about me. It's because of him. And that's how Paul used it. In fact, look at his name. Remember, he was Saul. He was named after this broad, strapping, tall king of Israel, the first king of Israel. Does anybody know what the name Paul means in the Hebrew language? It means small. It means small. So you see, Paul went from tall Saul to small Paul. Because in in God's sight, he saw himself, I have to decrease. God has to increase. Just like John the Baptist. Do you remember that? He must increase, but I must decrease. And that's what... That's why he took on the name of Paul. I just love that because he's so enwrapped. And so he says, because of this, it's for you Gentiles. And and you know about this stewardship of grace that's been given to me. That's literally what that word means. It's It's a responsibility. It's a calling given to him for the sake of the Gentiles. 
and it's of grace. Do you know that each one of us in this room have been given a stewardship by God? Each one of you, God is giving you a stewardship over something, whether it's where you work, whether you go to school, whether you live in your neighborhood, or whether you serve in the church. It doesn't matter. You each have a stewardship that God's given. And it's for somebody else's purpose. And it's for God's purpose. Because it's not about me. And that's where Paul, oh, wow, you've given this to me? I'm just going to give this away. I'll go where you're calling me. And now let's look at the last few verses, and we're going to finish up here. So with this mystery... And because of this wonderful promise in Christ through the good news, the gospel, he says, I became a minister according to this gift of grace. You know what that word minister means? Anybody? Servant. Who said servant? You get free coffee in the back afterwards. See? You guys have been quick. You'd have gotten the free coffee. It means servant. In other words, Paul's not saying, I have a position now as a minister. He's saying, no, I've taken the position of a servant, of a slave, because of this incredible revelation and understanding this mystery and this calling of God in my life. I have become a servant. And that's what you and I are. Whether we realize it or not, you really have been given a stewardship to be a servant to something and someone else other than yourselves. And whether it's your wife, your husband, your children, your co-workers, the students you live with, at school that you meet, or in this body, what you've been given is grace to be a servant because of the stewardship. And finally, he says, this grace of God and this work of being a servant is effective because of the working of his power in me. And this is crucial. Sometimes I think we do things based on our own strength, our own power and ability, rather than the power of God and the favor of God. This is a good way to determine if what you're doing has really been given to you by God to be doing. Now think of your vocation, think of your calling, and think of it this way. You and I may not have the same amount of powerful encounter with God as Paul did. We may not get knocked on our rear ends and have this incredible revelation and become an apostle to the nations. You may, but for most of us, we may not. But the power and grace of God is still the same for you and for me as it was for Paul. So to determine whether or not you're carrying out the vocation or stewardship of grace that God's given you to do, ask yourself these questions. Am I constantly always in a place of frustration? Am I constantly feeling like I'm butting my head against the wall? Am I trying to be a, round, a square peg into a round hole? And also, consider whether or not it's coming out of your own energy or your own desires. These are important questions because there's one Lord and 
we are all servants. And God has given you a particular calling and stewardship that he wants to fulfill through you and I as his people. But the more we grasp the revelation, the unveiling, the uncovering, and we grab the mysteries that God has given to us, then by his grace and power, we begin to effectively operate and move in that stewardship that God's given to us. So, while we have the band come up, worship team come up, I'd like to just spend a minute or so before we sing some, some more songs in worship to really consider this question. If we realize whose shoulders we stand on and this great place of privilege that we have, what is my response to that? And to also consider before the spirit of grace, the spirit of, of God that searches us and knows us intimately, whether it's been about me or it is really about him. And am I a user of God's grace? Or am I a vessel of God's grace? Do I just pick and choose what I want out of my faith because it's convenient or it meets my needs? Or do I go all in and really trust and obey him? So let's spend a minute, let's bow our heads. And let's ask the Lord to search us. And if there are places that he's touching and ministering to, that we would confess and be honest with him and agree with what God's saying to us. And if not, if, if there's a place where you're just enjoying God, then even more praise him while we're bowing our heads and worship him and honor him for his richness and that you've been given such a great heritage that God has placed on you. So, Lord, would you just come and would you search us and know us? Would you wash away by the power of your blood and by your spirit of sanctification, cleanse us from false motives? Free us from our own driven desires to be led by you as our shepherd and our Lord. Remove our fears, our anxieties, our doubts, our weaknesses, Lord, and let us see you afresh. Lord, would you energize us and renew us in grace. Cause us to be fully aware of who you are in our lives. So come and, and meet us now as we worship you again. Thank you, Father.